Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure and hit the subscribe button, like, comment. Let us know what you think of the episode, what you think of the topics that we covered. If you guys have any suggestions for either a guest or a topic you'd like to hear more about, let us know. We're always checking comments on there and love to hear from you guys. On today's episode, I'm going to be joined by Ryan Jolinas of R&R Brand Management, and he was at SEMA and uh, was walking around talking with lots of people. So I wanted to get kind of an inside look at um, you know, SEMA, new products that were released, um, chat with him about other things that are going on in the diesel industry, and get caught up as we're heading into 2023. And we know race season's around the corner, a bunch of uh, you know, really cool new things. So he's going to be able to provide some insights for us, um, you know, working with all the diesel shops and manufacturers that he does. So it's going to be a great time. Before we get to it, though, I want to remind you guys that if you're in the market for a knife, our friends over at Kershaw Knives have a 20% off site-wide discount for you. Use code DIESEL20. And no matter what you're looking at, whether it's like an EDC knife or um, you're an enthusiast, want something with certain blade material, handle material, uh, whatever your budget is, they've got something for you. And it's a great way to save some money. So we appreciate them offering that to you guys. All right, let's get to today's episode with Ryan and talking about SEMA, the companies he works with, shops, different products that are coming out, and uh, some really cool stuff we're going to be seeing as we head into 2023. Ryan, welcome to the Deets Podcast. I know you've been on here before, but we've had a huge influx of people been, that have been listening over the last like, couple of years or so, so they might not have caught some of your other episodes where you know, we went through different uh, like tips for shop owners. I still get questions you know, about that or getting your truck sponsored and stuff like that, but um, I know you were at SEMA recently. You work with a lot of brands, a lot of companies in diesel, and I wanted to chat with you about that experience and then you know, what's going on with some of the brands you work with with new products and things that we're going to you know, see on the market here shortly. Uh, yeah, Pat. Um, obviously, longtime listener. Uh, not my first time calling in. Um, <clears throat> I think the diesel podcast medium is one of the better avenues for getting new products, um, new ideas um, out to the market. Um, it's kind of a time where you can really invest into um, uh, information and knowledge. And uh, I like what you're doing out there. I'm ha- glad to be on here again and be able to talk about the brands I work with. I do what's called outside brand management. Uh, so the companies I work for, I don't necessarily have an interior title or anything like that. Um, I basically have my own company and I go out and I visit uh, wholesalers and do classroom trainings. I go out and visit um, you know, independent repair shops and also do trainings and hand out marketing materials and just kind of get a vibe of what is going on in the industry. Um, and then also work trade shows and talk to retail consumers and answer their questions. Um, it really in an effort to go back to the manufacturers and let them know, you know uh, what do you want um, uh, you know, what does the, the consumer want and what is the dealer seeing with your products? You know, are they easy to install? Do you need to maybe shift into this market or another market? Um, do you need to do some tweaking? You know, that type of thing. And just try and kind of sharpen the sword um, at the end of the day is is kind of what I'm out there doing. But yeah, I just got back from the SEMA show. Um, it was great. Uh, it was it was busier than I've seen it uh, than obviously last year. I don't think we've completely come back from pre-COVID uh, SEMA, but it's really hard to kind of tell. So um, 
Las Vegas Convention Center built this huge um, West Hall. Um, it's where they're housing what used to be in the like, I believe it's like the Southern uh, Upper Hall, uh, which was kind of like your off-road accessories, those types of items um, were all over there. And they've built these really cool Tesla tunnels as well that go between Central, West, and two of the uh, hotel casinos that are, are, are nearby, the new resorts world and I think the Flamingo or something like that. Um, but they're, they're actually pretty rad. It's terrifying to ride in them, I'm not going to lie, because they're, <laughs> they do have a driver. But the idea is that they want to have it be completely driverless at some point. Um, and I believe these Tesla tunnels are, if you've ever listened to Elon Musk's podcast with, uh, I think it was Rogan, he's building the same thing in L.A. just because he felt like we work in 3D spaces, but we drive in 2D spaces, and it didn't make much sense to him. So he's building this massive network of underground tunnels underneath L.A., so the electric vehicles can run through them. Well, they've done the same thing in convention center, but the amount of tire marks that are like, it's a tight tunnel. Like it fits a <laughs> Tesla. It doesn't fit like seven Teslas. It fits like you are in a tube with three sweaty strangers from SEMA and you're just, and they haul, man, they're doing like 50, 60, I swear. But the tire marks that are up the sides of the wall from the cars <laughs> the sides of the tunnel is a little unnerving. So like I said, there is like a dude in the driver's seat that could potentially hit the brake or whatever um but uh like i said i think their intent at some point is you just get into if you remember the movie total recall the johnny cab and it I just, just zips you to like yeah, yeah <laughs> zips you to the west hall because <laughs> uh, that's it's a walk man if you wanted to walk that i mean you're gonna walk a uh a, a pretty good hike i used to wear a little fitbit thing and I remember one year for SEMA, I walked 11 and a half miles. So it's like I'm approaching getting one of those, you know, ridiculous 13.1 stickers on the back of my <laughs> car just from hiking through booths and, and walking from the hotel to the event. But um, uh, so last year was our first year back with SEMA from COVID, right? Um, and they didn't allow uh, international travel in. Um, and a lot of companies were nervous about sending um you know, workers and uh, people to work the booths or even buyers to go and do meetings and things like that. So last year was, was really eerie. So like guys that pulled out last minute, things like that, SEMA just didn't really know what to do with the space in some spots. And so you'd see like uh, park benches just in like open chunks of concrete where you're like, eh, pretty sure somebody used to be there, that type of thing. Um, but they kind of built the outdoor area a little better. And it was the first year with the West Hall. And so they spread things out a lot more just because people were still being really cautious with uh, uh, the COVID protocols and what have you. And then now this year, they allowed international travel back in. Um, they were much, it was much easier to fill the West Hall and the other halls. So walking through kind of felt like SEMA of old, um, but it wasn't so jammed up to where I, I know one year I had like a pair of Oakleys on the back of my shirt and somebody stole them off of my shirt. Like you're just so squished together. You can't even get your arms up. And um, it's just, uh, it could be a pretty miserable show at times. So with the addition of the West Hall and the tesla tunnels as well in the new hotels around there getting an uber is faster a taxi is faster they've really upped the amount of like cool things to watch outside so whether it be drift or big burnouts like the hoonigan guys went and just destroyed like three trucks um it's a pretty pretty rad event so if anybody's in the automotive industry if you're a shop owner 
you can go to SEMA. So it, it is a private show, but it's not private to manufacturers. You have to be in the automotive industry. So if, you, if you've got a racing team and you've got an LLC around it, um, if you've got a brick and mortar shop or even an e-commerce shop and you've got a business license and a and pay stubs that show that you're in the automotive industry and you want to go out there and find new products at some of these booths, they have everything from accessories to window tent to consumer electronics and, and car stereo. Um, they've got, obviously, Central Hall is, is racing. I usually spend most of my time in the performance area. Um, they've got wheel and tire area. Um, it's, it's really cool. So, like I said, if you're... Um, an advocate for the industry um, and you want to see kind of the, the newest items and, or maybe talk to a manufacturer you've done business with for a long time. SEMA is really the place to do it. Well, I think what's really cool is, as you mentioned earlier, uh, what you do is, is bridging, I think the gap between manufacturer installer and the truck owner. And I think a lot of times that that's so crucial. You think of a shop and there's hundreds or even thousands of brands, yeah. And it's hard to know everything about all of them and what's new. But then a truck owner's walking in and asking the shop owner, hey, I want to do this. I want this turbo. I want these, you know, whatever it might be. And so that education, you know, is incredibly important. And then taking, like, what truck owners say, you know, what they're looking for, what the latest trends. And I think that is allowing manufacturers to really come up with cool products. Like, there's so many cool things that are being worked on, whether – like it's emissions on or it's with wheels and tires and lift kits and accessories and tuning and all those things. So I really feel like for automotive in general, kind of the space you're in is you're able to pass information that would be really hard to get otherwise. Like how would a, you know, a big company know exactly what, you know, this truck owner is looking for this issue of shops facing and ways they can maybe improve their product, their installation instructions, um, or just address a problem that is, you know, common in the OEMs. Yeah. Um, so one of the great things that they do um, at SEMA is their education um, seminars. So uh, I did notice, um, and unfortunately I've aged out of the bracket, but there is a young leaders um, section um, that I've got some friends that attended this year. And it was, it was more packed than I've ever seen. There's a great emissions conference there that tells you about the do's and don'ts. And they brought in people carb and brought in people who work for uh, the EPA to kind of help guide us. Um, and in that when manufacturer to manufacturer is talking um, or distributor and manufacturers talking, you can start figuring out some of the like back-end logistics. Like how do I make sure I'm protecting my customers? How do I make sure I'm protecting my dealers? Um, and SEMA has done a good job of putting that together. Uh, and then the bridge that sometimes I think gets kind of lost in the mix is the enthusiasm bridge is, is making sure we're going out and we're talking to the people who are either racing or building cool um, trucks or off-roading and we're taking their direct feedback and we're feeding it back into the enthusiasm because as these companies grow and something that should also be mentioned is, you know, as these companies get acquired too, um, it, sometimes the heart or the enthusiasm can go away. You know, um, what I have noticed here recently is there's been a large rash of um, automotive 
automotive aftermarket acquisitions um, is that large um, private equity firms um, or even private sale cash guys come in um, and they'll buy a platform brand, a, you know, a big expensive brand, and then they'll start grabbing small companies that either make bumpers or lights or winches or something to that effect. And they'll make these big conglomerates, that type of thing. And what usually happens is when you purchase these companies is you find redundancies and you condense to save money and kind of chase that ever so highest margin sale that type of thing and that that in where is where you can lose a lot of enthusiasm and we continue to see it in the automotive space you know um you know if we're talking diesel specifically we really didn't get touched by any of that stuff until edge you know sold to the holly group um and that was just it was interesting it's kind of our first foray into oh this is what big banks are looking for you know when it comes to our little you know diesel you know racing or modification or enhancement industry that type of thing and now we're starting to see it more and more um whether it be an off-road in the distribution side um some distributors if they want to get into a space whether it be diesel or off-road or um, marine or something like that they'll go in and they'll buy a regional distributor that's get access to all these lines and keep adding to their logistics deal and and that's just one of those things that the independent repair shops need to understand is that a wholesaler is just that they are a logistics company they are a a a fancier ups they've got all the stuff you want on on their shelf and they're getting it out to you in a timely fashion jeff bezos is taught all consumers that we should have anything we want within 24 hours so you know and that's that's the new consumer standard <laughs> yeah or less yeah it's like why can't i get this like from a drone in a few minutes um and uh, uh and so our, our wholesalers are kind of saddled with that same consumer uh, expectations and so are you as dealers you're you're saddled with the same consumer expectation of of when can i get this um and supply chain was so tough through covid um and we all scrambled to kind of get better but what i can tell you now is that you know you know we want to talk about market trends and things like that and is supply chain is getting a lot better um logistics are starting to not cost as much um whether it be air freight or ocean freight depending on what products are being sourced from where whether it's u.s made um staffing still seems to be kind of an issue finding guys to drive trucks or sweep floors in in warehouses i don't think inflation has really um done us any favors with low uh wage workers um that it's just it's just people are wanting $30 an hour to do a $15 an hour job or something like that. And, and the expectations are tough in manufacturing, particularly in the diesel space and, and where we're at. Um, but like I said, it, I think things are getting a, a lot better um, in our space when it comes to making sure you get the products you want on time. You know, a lot of us had a lot of focus on Black Friday. You know, by the time we get to Black Friday, we want to make sure we have inventory. We want to make sure that we can bring a sale to the consumers again. Um, we just want to make sure that, you know, uh, we're kind of getting back to where it was before. We're not in this whole constant state of back order um, and uh, no deals and no anything to be made, nothing to look forward to. It's just like, if you want it, you can have it. Like it was very much a seller's market for the last two years. Um, and I think we're going to kind of tip towards more of an equilibrium here over the next year or so is my expectation. It's really interesting. You'd mentioned the, uh, the change in diesel as far as companies coming in and consolidating <clears throat> because like, say from a media standpoint or a podcast standpoint, one of the things that was always, I can't say it was easy, but what was really cool would be to reach out to somebody who thought of this product 10 or 15 years ago, 
got it from the ground up, made it, they've built their company, it's doing all this stuff, and then something changes. And it's like, okay, if I want to talk to that company again, I've got to go through three or four different stages. Who am I going to talk to is that same level of enthusiasm when they talk to me? Is it still going to be there? How do I get, you know, this truck owner's question answered or the shop's question? And so I've seen that from this perspective a little bit as well as like, okay, can I, can I still you know, be able to get answers to this stuff? Or people are really curious wanting to know about this new product that's out there. How do we do it? And I think that's been always really special about diesel specifically. I know it exists in other types of industries, but it's the ability to be able to talk to somebody, um, whether they're your favorite racer, they're setting records, a person who makes the turbo, writes the tunes, whatever it is. And I think that's incredibly important in this kind of niche of automotive is that access yeah. or that enthusiasm. People, you know, diesel truck owners can see through if there's no enthusiasm and it's just, you know, like you're reading off a card, they know it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, we are a niche industry. We are a, a tighter community than uh, a, a lot of other motorsports or automotive uh, communities, I think. Um, and again, a, a big reason why is I think that majority of the owners have fended off a lot of this acquisition style golden parachute um, version of of uh, their companies. Um, it is something that they started in their garage um, and built up. Now, is the access as easy as a company goes from $1 million to $100 million to the owner? Of course not. Um, that, that, that will change. You have to put you know, people in business, you know, underneath you to start delegating things out to you can't do uh, everything on your own. Um, so it will evolve and change for sure. And for you, uh, somebody in the media, you know, wanting to bring people on, um, I still think you got a lot of enthusiasms out of the guys that are still single owner, um, have owned a company for 20, 30 plus years, um, and uh, still stay, stay in, you know, invested and involved. But these companies, if they don't want to be overtaken, <clears throat> excuse me, by similar products, knockoff products, Chinese products, um, you know, things that, um, you know, I, I can tell you from one of the companies I work for, we've had almost every single product we have knocked off, um, shipped over to China. We make, you know, everything gets cast in Colorado and, and machined there. And, um, and then all of a sudden you just see stuff pop up and it has like some of the same manufacturing defects that you wish you wouldn't have made in the tooling or something like that, but it makes no difference to it. And you're like, <laughs> you clearly like knocked off every, every tiny little part of it. And so those companies still need to evolve and be bigger and expand the product line. And, and, and again, this kind of goes with the enthusiasm um, uh, to, to stay ahead of these guys. Otherwise they'll, you just won't be able to separate um, yourself from, you know, again, smaller fly-by-night operations and that takes dollar investment that takes technology investment so what i've noticed um you know with the manufacturers is some of these guys are installing we used to all run off things like quickbooks right some of these guys are installing 150 200 000 um, erp systems you know things that can uh, report back to them on their profitability levels and report back to them on um you know, customer leads and all of these things. And the implementation of these things is, is nasty. It takes years, but these small manufacturers and little old diesel are putting in the same types of systems that billion dollar companies have installed because again, consumer demand 
in the buying experience, whether it's on the dealer level or on the um, uh, retail level, has hit a certain expectation that if we want to keep people buying new trucks, modifying them, enjoying it. We can't have grainy photos from an iPhone six on our Instagram page. Like we yeah. got to have a guy with a drone and some $30,000 camera chasing it, that type of thing. Otherwise it just doesn't cut the mustard anymore. And that, that was not the case 10 years ago when yeah. I first started kind of doing the rep thing is like it, you could get away with the fact that I remember I live streamed diesel power challenge one time and I got, <laughs> Oh, I can't remember we had a customer blow up a truck at a dyno one time too and and we gained like a hundred thousand facebook fans off the grainiest potato video of some guy almost getting nailed in the forehead by an intake manifold but um yeah it was just it's nuts it was it was just very much kind of raw and unpolished back then and it's a little a little cleaner um but rightly so you know we've had to invest money into emissions on performance and invest money into the technology behind our companies to run it to kind of take it to the next level um, and so other industries do push us, um, which is which is good to see. And it's good to see these owners investing in their companies and, you know, n not even just the manufacturers, e-commerce guys, brick and mortar guys, they, they're bringing their technology up and making sure that, that their companies are profitable. Um, there's a good company out of, well, our rep was out of Canada. I'm not sure how these, where these guys, it's called Select Hub. Um, and it literally is just this group of guys that goes and evaluates your businesses goes this is the technology you need to run it properly whether you're you need inventory finance um if you're going to be running an e-commerce store all that kind of stuff they're like these three options are the best ones you should do and like having some guidance outside of the diesel industry is great um so i would certainly you know if anybody feels like they're struggling with you know paying bills on time and tracking cores and all this kind of stuff like you might think about upgrading, you know, the software you're using inside and, and really kind of putting an investment into yourself and into your shop and your employees like through that. I think that's really, it's really important. That's been, or it used to be one of my like biggest frustrations is you know, we all pay attention to other industries. We have other hobbies, things that we do. And you think way back when you'd go to an event and somebody'd have like t-shirts or something or hats and you want to yeah. buy it and there's this yeah. bag, right? And the bag is where they, yeah. they would keep the change and you get the quarter out and the three pennies and you do it. And then somebody hands it to you back. And it's like, why when there's point of sale apps with, you know, a number of different e-commerce places where you can run it off your phone, off of a tablet. Yeah. And that's just a small example of it. But I think I can see why it would be important for somebody as a successful company, they want to take it to the next level and they need that influx of cash manpower experience to be able to say, okay, how do we really dial this in and take it to the next level? Because I think that's the future of it is to be mm -hmm. able to have it be not necessarily like Amazon, but just where, I mean, you know how a long time ago, it'd be hard to get like a emailed receipt for an order. Well, we're all used yeah. to uh, three seconds after we click, you know, buy if on I Amazon. If I don't have tracking the minute yeah. I buy it now, I'm a little grumpy. I'm like, where's my label? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Well, but, and, and again, that's what some of these distributors are bringing to us, you know. And, and again, I think that's why they're such an important part of the program um, of of the diesel space and us selling parts is that, you know, we need um, an advocate for technology, for logistics that exists outside of our capabilities of manufacturing. I should worry about manufacturing. I should worry about taking this chunk of steel and turning it into something that makes your vehicle better than it was before, right? Yeah. Um, advertising that, taking videos of that, making it easy to install. I should invest in that. Um, 
I expect my distributors to invest in the technology that makes the dealer's life easy. Um, and, and when you order something off their shelf, gives you a, a tracking um, number within minutes, that type of thing. That's, that's what we all kind of expect out of the process. So, um, but again, it's just one of that all, uh, all takes time and investment. But again, that's just where we're starting to see the industry evolve. Like it's just a, a lot more technology uh, laden than it was before. And the amount of money that, you know, these guys are reinvesting into the company is absolutely massive. And I think, again, that's why you, you end up having some of these acquisition guys start sniffing around. They're like, oh, there's some real money over here going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, guys that Man, I could imagine if I had invented something in the 80s or something um, and I was 65 years old and I didn't have like a son to give the company to. And some guy goes, hey, man, here's 15 million reasons to go away. (laughs) I don't know if I'd say no, you know, like (laughs) for as enthusiastic as you can be. It's just like "Mm, private island sounds great about now. You know, I'm tired of flying commercial too, Dan. Like, let's do this. (laughs) So it it does happen. you know, uh, but again, like I said, I do think our industry more than any others keeps us honest. Um, it keeps us uh, um, accountable to each other just because access between owners and distributors and dealers tends to be a pretty good one. You know, I'm not the only rep out there. You know, there's other manufacturers reps that are beating the street and they're going into your shops and they're saying hello um, and they're asking for your feedback and they're doing real things with it. So whether it's me that knocks on your door, if you're a dealer listening right now, or it's a Delton from South Bend and BDE or one of the fast guys, whatever, give us your feedback, give us your time if you can, that type of thing. So we can continue to make the industry better for you. That's really what we're there for. We're not there to sell you something. That's I always feel that's when I walk in a front door and I'm carrying like 30 catalogs and like got a, like a banner falling over or something like that. They're like, Oh, what's this dirty salesman trying to sell me? Like I'm, I'm a notch, maybe above Girl Scout cookies, but probably a notch below. I'm not going to lie. And, uh, and I don't want to tear up their day either. Cause most of these guys are really busy. But once you explain that, Oh no, no, I work directly for these three or four manufacturers and we're just here saying hello because we're in town for a show and we just want to make sure you know do you buy any of our products is there anything we can do to help improve that type of thing um give us your time well we're only going to make each other better um really is is the best way to go about it i thought of a question to ask you and this would be for i've actually really been surprised about how many people who listen i know there's shop owners who do but people who aren't even in diesel and they have their own construction company or um Mm -hmm. do something else and one of the things they love to hear about is about um, either tips or, or things they can do that would be better. And you mentioned something about having to delegate in a way. And I think you've probably walked into hundreds of these shops or these companies over the years where you have the founder and the owner is like doing something that somebody else could do. Like they're checking to see, do we have enough rags, enough uniforms? Um, Hey, why was, you know, this thing priced this way? When's our website going to be doing this? And you think about it, like that person needs to be like in a room in their laboratory, cooking up the next idea, the next big thing, and not necessarily dealing with all this stuff. So I wanted to ask you, what are some things you've seen people out there in these positions do to be able to step away and be able to, I think, really make their companies bigger, better, more profitable, come up with better products by letting go of some of the other stuff that other people could do. Yeah. Um, 
I guess there's two ways you can do that, right? You can either do that in a, um, a way of either, you know, integrating some technology into your company, basically having a robot do it, you know, like think about like McDonald's, if you had, we had staffing issues, they're like, well, screw it, we'll just put a touch screen in here and now you can get your Big Mac. Um, so there's that. So you could put in better inventory systems, but again, technology is only good as the amount of time you put into it. So if I, if I go and I give you a inventory program to make sure that, you know, so like NetSuite's a company that, um, uh, that we like ATS runs on NetSuite. Um, a lot of big e-commerce guys run on NetSuite. Um, I actually just got my buddy, Mike Bailey, shout out to High Lift Off-Road guys on Um But it, it's, it's a billion dollar company. It's Cisco, right? Cisco Systems. And implementation is nasty. But what it will do, let's say you had a construction company and you needed to have a certain amount of, you know, rags on hand or shovels on hand or barriers on hand at all times is it inventories those things but it also looks at all your vendors that supply those things to you so instead of having a human going back there and counting them it will count them for you and if you run low it will look at which vendor it can get it to you at what price and when's the quickest through whether it's edi feeds or all these types of things so you can invest in that the other thing you can do is obviously investing in people um, people and staffing is is great. What, what I would encourage people to do, and I've been around owners that do this really well, is they'll go to a coffee stand and they'll really like the way somebody interacts with them. And they'll be like, hey, are you looking for a job? Um, like finding somebody who's already in the workforce sometimes, it's in an unrelated field, but it has the types of character traits you're looking for, um, whether it be personality, you know, uh, that type of thing. Sometimes it's the best way to augment your business because we, we tend to kind of look internal sometimes when it comes to, well, I am looking for a service writer, must have 10 years of this experience, must have five years of this because we're not looking to train anybody. We're not looking to grow our community. And I think that can be a little short-sighted. The most successful guys I see are going and grabbing guys that maybe have, they drive a Honda Civic or something like that. And they don't even know about diesel trucks, but maybe they have a mind for engineering or, or social media and they can bring in a different um, perspective. Um, yeah, I was going to mention on the podcast, we've ATS has started moving, shifting a little bit into the Jeep space. And a lot of that is because we hired a lot of guys that worked in the Jeep space. And you wouldn't think you'd bring all these Jeep guys into ATS. And, um, you know, we've been primary diesel diesel for so long, but they brought us such great ideas and new technology that was directly related to the crap we were already building. It was the same parts. We just had a whole new consumer base to start selling it to. So, you know, tip one is take the processes that are tedious and automate them if you can. Um, if you can put technology around something, whether it be inventory, ordering, the, uh, you know, running bills and things like that, put technology around it if you can. And if you can afford to uh, have the time and, and money to invest in it. Um, and then tip two is, is uh, you know, staff up, find people you trust, uh, put around you and, you uh, Type A personality people usually are the hard ones to like let go of a process, you know, and it's one of those things where you just have to at some point understand you're right. No one's going to do this better than you, man. However, <laughs> you're one dude and find the thing you do best, which could be innovation and spend your time on that. And if they're not so great at say negotiating a shipping deal with your freight supplier or whatever, and you don't get the best deal ever, but you were able to spend an additional 
20 hours a week on engineering and produce products that make you millions, it's, that's a drop in the bucket. Yeah. You know, you really just have to put talent where talent should be. Um, I have always encouraged anybody who owns independent repair shop, get the book million dollar service writer. It's a good one. Um, you know, read, educate yourself in your off time. If you get any, uh, grab it on audible or something like that. Um, that's a good one that, that'll help you. It will teach you how to treat your employees to help make you profitable. It'll teach you what things you should be looking at, um, where your blind spots are. And that's that's a good thing. And again, to circle back to what we were first talking about, go to SEMA. Get out there. Go talk to other manufacturers. Figure out where you're, you're, uh, you're messing up. A lot of people are like, oh, I can't leave the shop for even you know a few days, that type of thing. But the amount of good that will come out of it, if you're willing to listen, is far greater than the two extra days you would have had at your shop. I can tell you that hands down. You will create new relationships with new manufacturers, distributors, and all these types of things if if you will let them um, let them in. Um, you know, I have I have to fly to Denver on Tuesday. We have our ATS diesel uh, diesel dealer days, and uh, you're probably familiar with those from back in the day when we had our. Uh, um, dyno days and whatnot, but we're bringing in 50 shops and distributors to sit there and go over the manufacturing process there, learn from each other, learn about new products. So I can do everything I can on the road and go out there. But one of our most effective things is going to some of these seminars. I know um, Ryan Milliken puts on uh, his, was it Horsepower Labs? And, and yeah. dozens of people go down there and learn about tuning and what he's learned about emissions on and racing and, and all the different items when it comes to it. So I think those those types of things are invaluable. They really are. Um, so participate in what you can. Um, you know, it's a, it's a great industry. And the fact that we have this type of access in this industry, I think is unique. And I think more people should uh, take advantage of it for sure. I did. Uh, you brought up the Jeep stuff, and I know like part of SEMA and then part of what you're doing every day is you're talking about products. And people, you know, I know this time of year, the holidays are coming up. We got the Black Friday sales. And then once we hit 2023, it's like everything kind of shifts to, well, the tracks are going to be opening soon, or I'm going to yeah. wait till after winter to do this to my truck. What are some cool things that you either saw there or things that you know that are coming up that people should pay attention to? Um, Big big announcement i i would guess is nhrda is back so west coast racing's been uh kind of hit or miss for uh, a little while um but i think he's brought back four or five shows um to my knowledge he's trying to make a big show in texas on his uh end of year guy uh uh the world uh, what is it called? World Finals? I think it calls the World Finals. But anyway, um, it'll be in Ennis, Texas. Uh, but hopefully a lot of the ODSS guys um, come over as well. <clears throat> and I think our dream has always been this East versus West kind of race. But Randy's going to and the whole thing that NHRDA used to do. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, he recently retired for all of 36 hours, I think. And then uh, much to his wife, Stacy's chagrin was told that uh, they're going back out on the road and they're going to start doing <laughs> races again. Um, but there's been a, a lot of support from the manufacturing uh, community at large to bring stuff back. So if you are a West Coast guy, if you're in Arizona, if you're in um, California, where else are they doing a race? Um, 
anyway, the, the, go, go to NHRDA's Facebook or, or, or website. If you're within striking distance of any of these areas and you had a truck or you're going to have a truck, put one together. You know, it's going to be a good year of uh, getting out, tracks being open and racing. Um, so I, I think I'm excited for um, those events to come this year um, and kind of add to what's already going and running really well out east uh, with the ODSS guys. Um, you know, PRI is coming up here in December. So if you're, uh, you can still register up till November 22nd, I think, and they'll still mail you a badge. You can literally register on site, but it's in Indianapolis. If you like racing and you like the diesel industry, it's like, it's a boiled down SEMA. So like SEMA is going to have like window tint, you know, and you may not be into window tint. Now there's granted, there's lots of guys that work on diesels that may have a tinting or a car stereo aspect to their business, but it's the exception, not the rule. PRI is literally just like engines, machines. Um, I mean, like Simpson racing's there with new helmets and gloves and stuff like that. Like it, it is just racing stacker trailers. So if you've been thinking about buying a trailer, that type of, it's like buying a hot tub at, uh, <laughs> at the county fair like you can get a good deal on you know half a million dollar trailer they'll probably knock like 10 percent off or something uh, but yeah that's that's probably one of my favorite shows for the racing so i think i think we're gonna have a really good um lineup of of shows next year for racing um and then um like i said i mentioned the jeep stuff with uh, ats like we've developed a lot of new conversions for um the 8hp which is the uh, 3.5 um transmission and being able to convert it to the old jk platforms and we're really excited i'm going to start going out and hitting up some of these like off-road expos and um, some of the off-road shows i've just never gone and done um you know we did king of the hammers last year if you've never been that is insane um uh, we stayed in palm springs and then you know, Palm Springs was kind of like dead-ish. Like there wasn't many people around in the town, but that's kind of where the hotels are. And then we drove out to uh, where Hammers is, Hammertown, and there had to have been 30, 40,000 RVs. Wow. Just part, it was a city. It was just an <laughs> entire city. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. I'm, I'm annoyed I've never been uh, uh, before but we're you know after walking that we're like yeah we're gonna have a booth out here and we're building some vehicles for it to do customer rides and and that kind of stuff and uh, we want to you know show that you know diesel trucks can go do this Baja stuff too and uh, go through go through some of the tracks that they've kind of pre-done for it so we're pretty stoked about hammers next year and again we're just going to try and add some of this off-road aspect to um, what r and is doing as far as going out and reaching out to consumers and retailers and um, and customers and distributors, you know, just kind of put that model out there as well. And I, I got to think anything I'm going to learn from the off-road space will only help enhance uh, the people I know in the diesel side of things too. I think that's really, really key. And we've seen it on the race side, I think years ago when Ryan Milliken decided to take his Cummins out of a truck and put it in a car and learn from that scene. Yeah. And what you had mentioned with um, taking other industries and their technology and infusing it into this. There's so much to learn <clears throat> from so many different aspects of it. And it's really cool to see in diesel. I feel like it's finally catching up or getting to that space where I always wanted to see Me it. Too, Cause I, yeah. I would always be like, well, how come I can go to the mall or go to this place or that place? And it's so easy to do this transaction, but I want to do it here. And it's like, it's so hard. And it's been really cool to see that happen, to see, I mean, like you mentioned the grainy photos. I remember what, what you could post 10 years ago was cool and get 500 likes where now it's like, 
it's not going to do anything. It's like it's half the truck's cropped out. It's yeah. grainy. You can't really see anything. And just those small things, it's like, oh, this is cool. We're catching up. We're getting there. Well, in, in technology and um, the systems we're talking about, like whether it be a good camera for video or getting good audio or whatever, the barrier of entry dollar wise was insurmountable like you would have to invest so many thousands of dollars into custom coding for your website or this or that or you know now you can go to some of these distributors and say hey i i've got this you know e-commerce brand i'd really like to take all of your line and i'd like to dump it here i'd like you to fulfill it automatically and uh they do that now (laughs) so it's like before like we just didn't have access to this stuff you know um you'd have to have a dslr camera with a telephoto lens and now i can take a picture of the moon with my iphone 14 that's about as good as what you could 10 years ago with a ten thousand dollar camera now i've got a thousand dollar phone that can do it so the that that has been a huge uh, equalizer of diesel being able to catch up is that the price for technology and access to things, you know, tools for us to make our websites better. As long as we invest the time and energy with the organic content, you know, like writing good install instructions and descriptions and making sure we photograph our line and, and making sure that the data fits in with the industry standard, like data service companies came around, you know, everybody is like, Oh, we need you in this aces and pies thing. And we're like, we don't know what you're talking about. Like, all I know is this fits Cummins. Does that, does that work? And they're like, well, we need to know if it fits in a, Cummins, but it has tan interior. I'm like, well, it doesn't matter, you know, (laughs) so it's the whole four wheel drive, you know, wiper joke or whatever uh, that's gone on forever. We fought that as an industry for the longest time. We're like, well, screw you. We don't have to do that. Like our customers are smart enough. We'll just print out the price book and tell people how much it costs, you know? (laughs) And like, again, it just didn't, it didn't work, you know, like we couldn't stay that antiquated for so long. And I think almost everybody's caught up, especially the big guys, the big manufacturers, the multi-category guys, the um, anybody in diesel that you could, you know, you've seen the buildings that some of these guys have put up here recently, like Jason Worley just had his open house and the facility that they built there is just awesome. Like just full of technology, full of machines. Um, and uh, again, it's just like, you know, before we had the dollars to do it, the, a lot of the big name guys were fabricating in a small, you know, pole barn or something like that. And eventually they've, I mean, Fleece started on Chuck's farm, you know, Braden and Chase were in some, you know, in Chuck's, I literally one time tried to ship something to myself when I was at Fleece and it shipped to Chuck's house and he had to bring it. He's like, who's Ryan? I was like, ah, oh, sorry, Chuck. <laughs> so like, you know, all humble beginnings, you know, yeah. all humble beginnings, but the big guys, we've made enough and grown the industry enough that we can put a lot of these systems and technology behind it. And uh, again, it just, it's making that consumer experience that much better and the dealer experience, you know, nobody's, there's no question marks when it comes to when you're gonna get your product, you know, it's, it's, Hey guys, it's back ordered, but I should have it in six weeks. There's good communication lines. The distributors do a good job of inventorying our products. Um, like I said, all in all, I mean, I'd probably give us a, an A minus as far as business is concerned, you know, uh, the diesel space. Um, I think we've caught up in most ways to the, you know, gas off-road um, wheel and tire as far as, you know, technology and the consumer experience. I think we're there. I think we made it. Well, it's good to hear. And it's good. It was good to, uh, you know, catch up with you today and kind of hear some things about SEMA and the stuff that's going on that, you know, I don't, I, I wouldn't know, but I know it impacts everybody. 
from you know the truck owner that's listening to the shop owner that's listening right now while they're doing an engine or something <clears throat> is how all this kind of fits together and how I think things have gotten easier and will continue to get easier as far as logistics and, and getting parts and being able to talk about them and understand what that truck owner wants, what, uh, you know, what they want to do with their truck. So I know that there's definitely a segment of our audience that is, you know, you probably visit their shops, but they might, you know, have questions for you. They might want to know more. How can they get in contact with either through email or, you know, website, calling, social media? Sure. I mean, we're, we are on our kind of standard, um, social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, um, rnrbrandmanagement.com is the website. Um, uh, my personal email is Ryan G at rnrbrandmanagement.com. You certainly email me questions, uh, whether you're independent repair shop, whether, uh, you see one of the brands that's on our website that you're interested to know more about as uh, even a retail consumer. Um, I try and, uh, be as open and easy contact as possible. Our phone number on all of our pages is my cell phone. So you can, you can give me a buzz and, uh, see how we can help. I've, I've, I've had shop owners, I've had manufacturers call me. Now, one of the things I do as a brand, do as brand management is, is I'm non-compete. So if I have a category that I'm already servicing, that type of thing, um, we don't bring into uh, that type of thing. So if you're a manufacturer, don't let that 100% dissuade you, but just a quick disclaimer. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, I love this industry and I love, I love our customers. And uh, again, I, I think I've mentioned this before, like, I, I kind of joke about feeling like a dirty salesman, you know, walking in trying to sell vacuum cleaners door to door type of thing. But nine times out of 10, you walk in there, they're just so happy to see you and have somebody care, have a, a manufacturer that they know is a big national brand, international brand these days, um, come in and want their feedback. I and mean, we really do, you know, uh, we want to, teach you about new items coming down the pipe. Um, and we want you to let us know how we can be better um, because we know we're not perfect. We know we don't always hit it out of the park. Um, so if you had an issue with a company, um, you know, talk to us, talk to any of the, these outside reps or go to a show, find us, you know, we'll have a little 10 by 10 booth up. And we're happy to sit there. It makes the day go by so much faster when we can chat with people and, you know, we're, we're excited to do what we're doing. So you certainly are never kind of putting us out if you want to know something or if you had a, a gripe even six years ago that you want to get some answers to, I mean, that's what we're here for. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time today chatting with me and getting me caught up on some really cool stuff that's you know going on in diesel. And I'm sure we'll, we'll do it again. I look forward to seeing some of these products that you had mentioned, you know, dropping here shortly and, you know, with the Jeep crowd and I'm sure there's a bunch of other things that are going to. That 8HP swap is going to be so big, dude. <laughs> it's going to be so big. I'm excited for it. Um, one, one last shameless plug, if I get, if I may, yeah. uh, I was just on the, the SEMA.org webpage today. Um, there is a, a tool on there. You can go that you enter in your address and it will write a letter to your representative and your senators that basically says, I support the RPM act. I think it's an important uh, thing in our process that there's a lot of articles you can read about it of you know what it does it helps protect racing it helps protect us that are trying to take on-road vehicles and we convert them to something that we want to go drive on the track so whether it be a, a cummins truck that you don't use on the farm anymore and you put big twin turbos on and you trailer it to your local drag strip or even a sled pulling vehicle the RPM Act is going to protect our ability to continue to do that. As it stands right now, the way the law is so vaguely written, and you've done a great job covering this stuff, is we're not allowed to. We, like, if it was ever allowed to be on the highway for highway use, 
we are never allowed to race it. We're never allowed to change it. And so if you want that to change, do yourself a favor. We just had midterm elections. The guy who you may have already written that letter to last year when that big push kind of came out, he may not have a job anymore. You may need to email the new guy. So I would encourage anybody who hasn't done it and anybody who has done it, jump on SEMA's website at the beginning of the year, get those letters written to your uh, your congressmen and women, and uh, let's make sure we can keep doing all this cool stuff on the racing side uh, alongside the stuff that we do for the on-road as well. Don't forget, Diesel fans, make sure and head on over to kershaw.kiausa.com. Use code DIESEL20 if you're in the market for a knife, whether it's for, you know, everyday carry or hunting, fishing, just something to have around the house. They've got a ton of different options and really a knife to meet any budget. It's a, a really cool way to be able to save some money, and we appreciate the team over at Kershaw Knives offering the discount to you guys. also want to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters, Caleb, Tyler Lowen of 23Diesel, all of our other Patreon supporters, all of you who subscribe on YouTube, podcast apps, um, follow us on Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate your support. Um, if there's any sort of topics or guests you want on, make sure and reach out to us on any one of those platforms or join our Discord. That's another great way to be able to get in contact with us, other diesel podcast fans that are really passionate about their trucks and building them, um, you know, getting them ready for winter, maintenance, things like that. It's a great group over there, almost at 700 members, and I encourage you guys to join. Until next time, keep the shiny side up. <laughs>